This week on the podcast, a little nonprofit news feed for the week of, oh my gosh, March 28th. We're doing it. We're going to finish another month, Nick. Crazy. Well, we are actually here in person, so if our audio sounds different, it's because it sounds different. And Nick, it's, it's good to see you in person. We're doing it. It's good to see you, George. Well, we're here in an unofficial news for a whole whale staff retreat this week, but at a high level for nonprofit news, actually, we're going to be talking about the 100,000 Ukrainian refugees on their way to the United States, as well as more amazing donations coming out of the world of Mackenzie Scott. Sure. So I can kick us off with our first story. And this story, as reported by Politico, says that the Biden administration has announced plans to welcome up to 100,000 Ukrainian Ukrainian refugees into the United States. Refugees will be allowed entry through a wide range of admission pathways, according to the press statements, including humanitarian parole, immigrant or non-immigrant visas, And since February, the U.S. has given over $123 million in humanitarian support to Ukraine and neighboring countries and has promised an additional $1 billion in the months to come. And this represents a profound shift in U.S. policy, ramping services to help Ukrainian refugees. We also recommend checking out the Welcome.us website, which has information about programs to help Ukrainian refugees as well as Afghan refugees. And even just from a, a digital marketing perspective, the website is beautiful. It offers wide ranges of people ways to get involved with helping the refugees coming to the United States. But George, this is the real deal. This is a this is a big effort. I, I can't remember something of this scale being announced this quickly in response to a humanitarian disaster. I mean, arguably, you just mentioned in the same breath, you know, refugees coming out of Afghanistan for sure. One of the things to point out, certainly, look, go to welcome.us, if for nothing else, to see what a beautifully done site looks like in terms of clean visuals and narratives. But also, as you go through in the ways to help, actually, one of the things that they're offering is host through airbnb.org. What I love about this is actually leveraging pre-existing tech, pre-existing communities and platform in Airbnb rather than them having gone and said, you know what we should do? Let's go and build our own platform that validates and verifies people and houses so we can... No, they're using pre-existing tech through Airbnb.org. I love it. They're also allowing people to donate airline miles. But take a look at that and just sort of remember and rethink whether or not you need to build it yourself or if there's a way to partner with pre-existing technology. I'm excited that, again, the U.S. is stepping up in this way and partners that are involved. Absolutely. I think we could probably do a whole podcast on tech for social good as it relates to just the Ukraine war itself. On the Airbnb thing, I saw that people were actually buying Airbnb stays in Ukraine as a way to promote a a direct transfer of of funds, essentially, to Ukrainian citizens. So it's really cool to be to seeing these tech platforms that already exist being used in a novel way. Well, think about that just for a section of the poll, the thread. It's officially validated that there's a person with ownership of a place that was validated by Airbnb. Previous people stay there. So what do you have right there? Proof of ownership, proof of identity through a pre-existing platform, and suddenly it's a donation platform? I mean, mind blown. 
how would you otherwise, someone on Twitter saying, hey, I'm a Ukrainian refugee, please donate to me. Here is my, you know, here's my PayPal. Here's my wallet address. Like, where's the verification? And so there's a very interesting application for social impact that we're seeing at Airbnb. Absolutely. And, and on the same side of the conflict in Europe itself, Airbnb donating stays to refugees and people putting up houses, it's, it's, it's incredible. And definitely a story we'll continue to keep an eye on. All right, our next story, again, about Mackenzie Scott donating $436 million to Habitat for Humanity and its affiliates. So just last week, Humanity Habitat for Humanity International released an press statement that it, alongside 84 of its U.S. affiliates, have uh, been given essentially half a billion dollars in donation. And this represents a seismic donation one of the largest of this type we've seen, and it eschews many of the typical harm hallmarks of philanthropy because all the funds are unrestricted. And of course, that's a major criticism of philanthropy is the strings that come attached typically. And what's so notable about this is both the size of it and its unrestricted nature. And also last week, we learned that Mackenzie Scott has donated over $12 billion total to over 1,200 groups, and she's also made donations to Planned Parenthood, Ukraine relief efforts, and many other groups. But George, we don't often talk about major donors and donations because they happen all the time, but this is different. What, what does this say? What's the, what can we extrapolate from this? Well, one, coming back to the organizational changing amount of money this is to Habitat for Humanity and the affiliates. And we have seen different affiliates getting different proportional amounts of this money. And full disclosure, Whole Whale has clients that are part of the Habitat Humanity Network. And I'll tell you, it puts a smile on people's faces when this happens, but more importantly, it's potentially setting a new standard for how to, to give unrestricted funds in big ways that don't ruin an organization, right? Habitat Humanity is an amazing affiliate network and have an amazing brand and that's a way of saying all right this is how you can give in a distributed way to the infrastructure that is building rebuilding homes and communities across our country in various ways during the time of the pandemic and so i i would say you know just it, it's it's rather to be lucky than good something my dad told me he's like son mm -hmm. you know <laughs> rather be lucky than good it's can it can be frustrating i'd say to organizations that are looking at this and saying well why not us? In the same way that if you get a mysterious email from somebody working with Mackenzie Scott, make sure it doesn't go to spam. But, you know, it's it's hard to maybe look at it from an outsider's perspective and being like, well, you know, what caused this donation? It's hard to say, but I'll tell you, they're doing a lot of great work and we can say that firsthand. Absolutely. All right. Should we go into the summary? Our first story in the summary comes from AmsterdamNews.com, and it's about nonprofit workers rallying for fair wages at City Hall in New York City. So, nonprofit workers took their grievances to City Hall last week, calling for fair wages and benefits. So, the human services industry is one of the least paid industries in all of New York, and these are folks working in after-school programs at city agencies, community-based organizations within the school system, often affiliated with nonprofits. And I think I saw 
eight out of 10 human service workers in the five boroughs are people of color, and 60% of them qualify for one form of government assistance, if not multiple, as the quote. And I believe the the average annual salary was $32,000, which if anyone lives in New York knows that that is not enough to live comfortably in New York City. So I think that this really brings to the forefront a lot of intersecting factors around how we think about providing for our communities and what and the the type of folks that are being asked to provide for our communities, communities of color and 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 how we support one another and I think it's it's really important to to raise this this really important problem is that a lot of these folks are providing critical infrastructure to our communities and they deserve to be paid fairly. Yeah, I think the the true cost of living plus living wage, you know, we're watching finally the minimum wage being lifted and it's forcing these conversations to occur. And the truth is if you are working full time and you are in a major city and you are doing this type of work, you shouldn't be qualifying for government assistance. And it's also silly because, by the way, it's just a reallocation of those dollars. If they're qualifying for things like food stamps and Medicare, guess what? That's still money coming from the government being given to people that are providing these services. So why not do it through a paycheck? I know it has to do with contracts. I know it has to do with the distribution of funds through third parties like nonprofits that are managing this. But the truth of the matter is, like, nonprofits are not banking a ton of money from these contracts they're providing the you know services cost of labor that they possibly can so you know i think there's a lot of dominoes that have to fall but it's good that they can they can do this and it's tough i think there can be a a bit of a pall put on nonprofit employees that are supposed to you know be doing this for a higher purpose being like, oh, how can you complain about this? You're, you know, getting to do what you believe in. Like, that's fair, but also, so is the minimum wage. Yeah, both of those sure. things can be true. Absolutely, absolutely. It's, you know, I think throughout the pandemic, we've learned that the people we've learned, and we're able to identify the people that society leans on, are educators, are health professionals, are community workers and volunteers. And I think that as a society, we have a choice whether or not to support these people and that critical infrastructure and identify that those people are actually doing vital work and they deserve to be making at least minimum wage, well above minimum wage, in my opinion. All right, we can move into our next story, and this one comes from WPDE.com, ABC 15 News Affiliate, and this is about a nonprofit drug maker that will soon sell insulin for $30 a vial, regardless of insurance. So if you have diabetes in this country, you probably know that the cost of insulin can be extremely high, but this nonprofit is stepping in... um, to, to provide a affordable solution to this, this problem. And insulin prices are in some ways artificially high. The inventors of insulin actually sold the patent for just $1 because they wanted it to be affordable. That was about 100 years ago. And now it can cost up to $300 a vial for people to go to great lengths to get it, according to this report. So we're seeing a nonprofit step up here in a really impactful way. And I know that there's bills in Congress as well, but I I think that 
Access to medicine, particularly medicine that's been around for a hundred years, should not bankrupt you. Yeah, I mean, we talked about the story initially. There are nonprofits getting into the game, and it's important that there are nonprofits doing this. The nonprofit JDRF that funds diabetes research came up with this type of game changer, and the representative from there said to make affordable insulin available to everyone, this insulin would be $30 a vial starting the year 2024. So it's it's a little ways off, but I'm excited watching this story develop because, you know, it will reduce the cost of patients. It will reduce the cost of managing a very, very serious and common disease that is only seeming to increase in our country and the cost to insurance, which has trickle-down effects to anybody who pays into insurance. So these types of solutions hopefully won't be in isolation, but rather if it's possible, other drugs will hopefully come in to the production purview of nonprofits. Absolutely. I agree. All right. How about, how about, how about a feel-good story to finish us off? I feel like we've owed our audience a feel-good story for a little while, so yes. Okay, <laughs> here, here's, here's a good one. This comes out of Local 12 News affiliate in Cincinnati, and it talks about how the number of Ukrainian refugees who fled the country has now grown to over three and a half million. We're very quickly approaching four million. And this was about a volunteer effort where a couple hundred volunteers got together and made 300 meals at the Hope Factory in Sharonville. And it's there's very various charities involved, including a Child's Hope International. And these meals will eventually be shipped to, to Europe. And it's... A lot of the food is um, rich in, in vitamins and, and protein and hydrated vegetables and that kind of thing. So emergency food packages. But I think this is a great way to get people involved, particularly young people, giving them a, a tangible way to get involved in addressing a crisis, I think can be really formative for a community and young people in particular. So I really like this story for that reason. I feel there's also a larger context in and around this story that we're potentially going to be watching and seeing more of, which is going to be around the potential risk of global famine. Currently, the planting season happens in this time of year, in the spring, and the breadbasket of the world, known for the regions of Ukraine and parts of Russia, are massive grain suppliers. We mentioned just like a tiny story earlier, but that narrative is going to be coming a lot more prevalent as you look at the grain reserves, as you look at the food production that may not hit marks and quotas, which is uh, very dangerous for people that are living at uh, the edges. And this type of food distribution may become less of a feel-good than an absolutely critical good that nonprofits may be asked to do in the coming coming months and, and year as we, we try to, to manage this period of time. So, you know, we're I, I keep looking for, for this and I, I haven't seen as much, but you know, this is definitely one story where, you know, they're they're starting to work and there may be a lot more meals needed. Yeah, George, I think you bring up a great point. And I think right at the onset we did a, a story about the World Food Program gets half of its wheat and grain from from that region so and those are already food going to emergencies but i just saw recently that ukraine had actually been downgraded to a food insecure country because of the the conflict so i think that this is something really important to keep an eye on and like you said lots of places in north africa and the middle east and all around the world quite frankly rely on on food coming from that part of the world so something we have to keep an eye on 
and not just food, but also nitrogen stores and production that is used into fertilizer. Russia is a huge exporter of this, so you know it. It, it is very, it's very important that we maintain sanctions, and there is an economic penalty for not following the global social norms of I don't know, don't bomb your neighbor's kids. But there's going to be prices to pay, and there's there's always second-order effects that are hard to predict, and I'm really worried about the one about famine. Yeah. I thought you said it was a feel-good, Nick. I lied. <laughs> All right. Thanks for joining us. As always, nonprofit news feed. You can sign up to get a weekly inbox alert. We have a, a quote we tossed at the bottom of this one. I'm not going to continue knocking that old door that doesn't open for me. I'm going to create my own door and walk through that. Ava DuVernay. Thanks, George. Thanks, Nick. This has been Using the Whole Whale podcast. If you want to keep learning more about these topics and others, head on over to wholewhale.com university to keep learning with us. Thanks as always to gregthomasmusic.org for his tunes that underwrite our tracks. They're fantastic. Hope you're doing well, Greg. And just a reminder, subscribes really help us on any platform that you listen to us on. Please give a thought to click and subscribe and maybe even a comment because we like hearing from you. 